This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. On this morning's show, I want to talk about a dark issue that is a concern to all sports parents, and it's a... It's an issue that is sadly both timely as well as very disturbing. And then later on, uh, to go in a totally different direction, I want to spend a little time talking about the critical importance of fun in youth sports. Now, look, fun is a topic that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago in our State of the State show, but I really do feel it's a vitally important aspect of youth sports that I fear is gradually being phased out of our kids' experiences playing sports as they grow up. And as a result, it's my contention that one of the reasons why so many kids begin to walk away from sports these days is because they no longer seem, the sports don't seem enjoyable to them. And that's a real, real problem. But first up, unfortunately, as you have all heard, of course, about the horrible sexual abuse that Larry Nasser exacted on hundreds of U.S. gymnasts. And this is made for well, quite frankly, sickening and terrifying headlines for the past year or so. The truth is, though, there are sex abuse cases not just in gymnastics, but from across all youth sports, swimming, ice hockey, baseball, soccer, and so on. In fact, the fact is there are predators everywhere in this country. And for example, a case was brought to my attention just uh, the other day. Curiously, this didn't seem to get much national uh, coverage. And I'm reading here from uh, the San, uh, San Jose Mercury News. On August 17, 2018, the U.S. Youth Soccer Association and its Northern California affiliate agreed to pay $8.2 million to settle a lawsuit over their failure to properly run background checks on a coach who was later convicted of sexually abusing a 13-year-old player. The uh, San Jose Mercury News reports that the volunteer coach, Manuel Fabrizio, pleaded guilty in 2012 and was sentenced to 15 years in prison. Uh, He was convicted of domestic violence and battery against his wife in 2006, and he should have been disqualified from just uh, through routine background checks, but apparently no check was performed. The U.S. Youth Soccer Association, which is the largest youth sports organization in the United States, now mandates criminal background checks for all its coaches. And the U.S. Youth Soccer Association was going to pay $6.5 million, and its affiliate, the California North Soccer Association, will pay $1.7 million in the settlement. The lawyer representing the former West Valley Youth Soccer League player, who now, by the way, is 19 years old, he called the settlement one of the largest of its kind and said he and his client hopes it will send a strong message to sports leagues all over about their duty to protect the kids in their game. And by the way, we'll take your calls about this at our toll-free line is 1-877-337-6666. Brought to you, of course, by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities 
await you at Mohegan Sun. You can plan your stay at mohegansun.com. Now, I want to talk for a few seconds about being a parent and obviously, you know, trying to educate your youngster if they play sports and some of the warning signs or try to give your kids as they grow up. And I know this is a very, very difficult and a very delicate conversation to have, but unfortunately, you're going to have to have to do it. Now, there are certain aspects that, as I said, every sports parent has to confront when their child goes to play for a coach. Specifically, number one, how do you ensure that the coach who is working with your kid is trustworthy? I mean, for starters, just about every youth league in America now does standard background checks on its coaches. That's usually mandatory, but as we just heard in this case out of California, these things still happen. And in that case, it wasn't the head coach, it was a volunteer coach. Anyhow, as a parent, you need to make sure this is done. And by the way, as I mentioned about the volunteer coach, bear in mind that Larry Nasser wasn't a coach. In fact, he was supposed to be a trustworthy doctor for these girls. And the sad truth is, of course, no one caught him for years. Now, high school teachers and high school coaches, they all have to go undergo background checks when they are hired by the school district. But what about travel teams or club teams? Again, the vast majority of club and travel programs, yes, they do insist on background checks. But as a parent, do you just take their word for that? I mean, I would, I would strongly urge you to make sure you check on that and make sure that whenever you deal with the, uh, your kids playing on an outside travel or a club team, go to the board director and make sure that's being done. I mean, I, it's, this is about your kid. Now, as far as talking with your child, well, as I said before, unfortunately, parents have to educate their children these days as to what is and what isn't appropriate behavior for a coach. For example, you can never allow your youngster to be alone with a coach or a volunteer coach in a room or in a car or on a road trip. If you can, make sure you're always with your youngster, particularly on road trips. Now, I, I understand, of course, this isn't always easy. So that's why you need to talk with the, your, your son or daughter and educate them about what is appropriate and what kind of behavior is not appropriate. Remember, we're talking about sexual predators here. You're going to have to teach your youngster to, to trust you and to report to you any behavior that seems odd or curious or mysterious to them. Better to hear more of the stories and be on the safe side and take the risk about what happens with, with, you know, happens behind closed doors with these coaches. Now, if your youngster has to go for an annual physical checkup, again, this is the legacy of Larry Nasser. While you certainly have to respect your youngster's privacy, you ought to make sure to be right there to make sure nothing, any no nonsense is going on. Now, I, again, I apologize. I know all this stuff is brutal and it's heart-wrenching, but... As we've noted, this had happened to any kid anywhere in this country. Now, I will also add that I'm not a, certainly not an expert on this topic, but in just the same way that parents have to discuss at some point the birds and bees with their children, you also need to talk about any warning signs that they may spot from their coaches, assistant coaches, uh, trainers, volunteer coaches, even doctors. If you want more information, certainly you can go online, but I would suggest that there are two sources in particular. I would recommend you go to the National Alliance for Youth Sports and their website, talk about background checks. You can also go to safesports.org, which is affiliated with a number of organizations. 
but again, those are the two at the tip of the iceberg. Certainly, there are a lot of companies and firms that run background checks. But again, you owe it to your son or daughter. You don't want to have them become a victim just because somebody didn't do their homework. And, and as I said, this was a this lawsuit out of Northern California with the U.S. Youth Soccer Association. I mean, this, you know, the thing about background checks and, and, and making sure your kids are prepared, you know, it's, it's a difficult conversation, but you're better off having it. To, unfortunately, it takes away some of their innocence, takes away their naivete, but that's the world we live in, and you're going to better off to do that and prevent these things from happening. It's as simple as that. One eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Let's take some calls. Uh, let's go to Mark and New Rochelle. Mark, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good, good morning, Rick. I'm a big fan. I've called in before. <clears throat> um, I'm a uh, retired New York City detective, uh-huh. and I want to address this brutal topic that has to be discussed. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> um, when my kids were small and they would go on the uh, school buses. I was never comfortable with the background checks that the schools had done or the bus companies. So being in law enforcement, I had access to a lot of different app, you know, applications to do background checks. And subsequently, over the years, I found that there were a few bus drivers that were inappropriate in other states. Now, <clears throat> I brought it to the attention of the, uh, the bus driver, the, the companies. They subsequently got rid of these, these drivers. My point is the average background check that's done – by the schools, by, by league, little league teams, uh, football leagues, it's not as in-depth as what law enforcement can do. Mm-hmm. So that's why you must, you must emphasize to your child to be able to speak to you. If something doesn't feel right, generally it's not right. You have to drill that home to these kids. Mark, because, yeah. Yeah. As I said, I couldn't agree with you more, and I said I've – I really felt uh, I, want, I had to cover this topic, uh, and I, at your point, yeah, I mean, you've you got to educate your kids. It's a difficult conversation. Um, you know, it, it's, it's got to be done, though, if your kid's going to be involved in sports these days and there's any travel involved or staying over in a hotel or kids are in locker rooms with coaches. I mean, this has to be done. My feeling is, is that whatever sport your, your, your child is involved in, the background checks are not sufficient enough. That's why you have to emphasize to your child, if something is wrong, say something. Yep, yep. Because not that I don't trust a lot of these uh, sports leagues, but they just don't have the access to the uh, background check information that law enforcement does. Yeah, Mark, I, I couldn't agree with you more, and, and uh, I'm really uh, very, very grateful you called in this morning because I do think parents probably put too much reliance on, oh, well, the league does uh, background checks. But, yeah, but no, you got you to do not. more than that. you gotta, you got to be a responsible parent. You have, to, you have to take responsibility, whether it's a pleasant conversation with your child or not. Yep. It must be done. I agree. Mark, thank you for the call this morning. Appreciate thank you, it. brother. Take care. And, and, you know, I just want to emphasize what Mark is saying here. Yes, the first thing you do, no matter what league or, or, or team or whatever your kid's playing in, you want to make sure the league does background checks. But as Mark says, sometimes these in the background checks, you don't know how thorough they are. Uh, and, and sometimes they're just kind of like superficial. So that's why you want to doubly protect your son or daughter. And you're going to have to have that conversation probably when they're very young. To, and you maybe have to have more than once to just not to scare them, but to basically make them understand if something doesn't seem right or seems funny or somebody's trying to you know, uh, you know, trying to get their attention by giving them some candy or doing this, whatever, 
you know, educate them, say, come back to me right away or, or leave the room right away. Come back to your mom and dad and we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we'll protect you. Because this is unfortunately how these people operate. As I said, it is not just in, uh, in gymnastics, which we've seen with the Larry Nassar, uh, you know, catastrophe, but it's in other sports too, swimming, ice hockey, baseball. I mean, it, it goes on and on, softball. I mean, it's just terrible. All right, let, let me take a time out. Uh, when we come back, uh, I'll take a couple more calls about this topic, but uh, I do want to get to the whole idea of fun and how that's changing when it comes to our kids in sports. Radio.com. I'm curious to see what uh, our friend uh, Coach Tom has to say about this. Tom, good morning. Good morning, Rick. I was getting ready to go out and walk, and I heard this, and I said I just had to, you know, <laughs> say a couple of things. First off, uh, I uh, agree with the, the previous caller about background, but again, you know, people slip through the cracks, mm-hmm. and what if the per- there's people out there that have never been caught? Or have never done anything before, but you know, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and and that's what you got. I would say to parents, uh, first off, I would say the most important thing they could do is to stay alert themselves and don't enable these people. Yeah. And what, what I mean by that, and I'm, uh, I don't know if you talked about that before. I I, I heard is uh, a lot of these. I remember myself over the years. The parents will cozy up to the coaches, trying to win favor, get their kids. You know what I'm saying? Get their sure. kids more playing time or right. whatnot. Or they're just maybe nice people, but it's it's like to me, it's I would say I'm not saying you're not going to be nice to the coaches, but keep your distance. They're coaches, and explain to the kids that the coaches is the authority for the sport only, and nothing else. Okay, I know it sounds obvious. Okay, but there's a lot of times, you know, kids are the same way. Certain kids really respect authority figures, and I'll cozy up to and. And this is what I think parents need to do is is really, really, really stay alert themselves too. Okay. Yeah. Besides besides having that conversation, which I agree is important, under no condition is touching allowed anyway or any way in any form. Right. You know, you know, outside or inside. I I get all that. But to me the parents need to be uh, very alert themselves. Tom, I think these are excellent points. You just said there is a natural inclination these days, particularly since youth sports are so competitive, that uh, you know parents will try to occasionally cozy up to a coach and uh, become, in effect, you know, an extension uh, of their friends, whatever. And all of a sudden, the you know the, the the parents might think, well, he's a great guy, and all of a sudden the, the kid sees all that, and that's not what you want to do. I mean, parents should always be a little bit distance from the coach. Uh, certainly, you can be cordial and you can talk to the coach and so on and so forth. But you know, be wary about sort of, as you say, enabling these coaches to become a little quote unquote friendlier than they should be when it comes to uh, one son or daughter. Yeah, and 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 one more thing, it's it's exactly the point because once you get to that point, mm-hmm. then obviously the 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 child is less likely to say something to the parent. Mm-hmm. Just like the problem in the old days that the church used to have with, you know, authority figures. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate the call. You know, Tom. Tom's point is right on target. And, uh, yeah, this is a delicate, very, very difficult situation. But, uh, yeah, we, we all know the headlines, not just obviously from – from youth sports, but obviously other parts of society as well. This is something that is is now become totally incumbent upon moms and dads to educate their youngsters uh, as they go out and they interact with coaches, teachers, whatever it might be. It's as simple as that. Okay, let me 
Let me move on since my, my, my time is limited. I, I do want to come back to this issue about fun. You know, I hear this all the time from adults who will say, you know, I don't know if kids in sports today have as much fun as we used to have when we were growing up. And I, you know, I would think about that all the time. When I was growing up, perhaps the same with you, uh, you know, there weren't that so many organized sports. Certainly there weren't any travel or club teams. Uh, if you went out and played in the playground or sandlots with your friends, you know, you, if you did something, if you did something well in sports, made a nice, uh, you know, pass reception in a touch football game or made a, a difficult shot in basketball and you're playing against kids your age, maybe one or two kids older than you are, you know, you, you were, something good happened they would, uh, you know, give you a shout-out and applaud you, whatever, and that was how kids played. And you, you weren't so much playing for parental expectations because, let's face it, there weren't any moms and dads watching you play. They had other things to do. They were living their own lives. But your friends and peers began and said, yeah, this kid can play a little bit. And you, you felt good about the skills you were mastering. You know, yeah, we all thought about maybe someday down the road it would be nice to make the, the high school varsity and maybe get a varsity jacket or a varsity letter uh, but that was way, way off in the future. But right now, today, you were just playing to get the respect and have fun and, and smiles from, from yourself and from your peers. But, but these days, it seems, though, because sports have become so much more competitive and at such a younger age, I worry that our kids today are, are at a point where it's not so much going out there and just having fun on their own and enjoying the, the ups and downs of, of playing sports. It's more like... They're out there just to please mom and dad. And you know this. If you go watch uh, any kind of youth uh, sports program, the, the parents in the stands uh, or on the sidelines are, are basically just, you know, cheering their kids, do this, do that, you know, make that play, pass the ball, make the shot. It's the kids learn very early that this is not about – that's not fun. I mean, that's how it's, it's sort of presented to them. It's more about the fact that I'm out here to please mom and dad. And that's a different kind of animal – than just having spontaneous play and fun. And, you know, I, it's funny. I, I read a book this past week uh, which sort of has a chapter. Uh, the book is called, by the way, it's a best-selling book. It's called The Coddling of the American Mind. And there's a chapter in this book about the decline of play. And in short, the authors contend that organized activities, like, for example, uh, piano lessons or soccer practice, they say that's, those are not forms of play for our kids. In fact, according to recent psychological research, you know, play is meant to be devoid of all parental direction, intervention, or expectation. So in effect, what I'm saying is we've sort of gone the last you know, 15, 20 years from into introducing our kids from just having free time, free play, go out and be creative, have fun. There's no pressure. You can goof off. You don't have to pay attention. You can create different rules. You know, try experiment different types of approaches to your to your games. But now we have situations where we become so uber competitive that our kids are just all about to them. We're trying to equate to them that if you live up to parental expectations, if you live up to what we expect you to do, then you're going to win, and that becomes play. And that's that's an, that's a backwards kind of approach. We're saying to our kids, in effect. If you win all the time, if you're always a star, well, that's great. That's how you have fun. And that's not what fun is. And I, I want to get your thoughts about this because I do think it's a huge sort of watershed moment 
as to how we raise our kids in sports. And I th- do think it's the reason why I keep getting reports that we see at the, uh, the middle school and high school level now. We see kids, the numbers are beginning to drop off from sports. And you don't get the sense that kids are having fun. And I do think fun, that passion, is what drives kids to keep on playing instead of walking away and doing something else. one 337 6666 Let's start our conversation with, uh, with Jack over in Farallon. Jack, good morning. Hey, Rick. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really doing good. Um, good topics, both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the other topic you talked about, the sexual predator, once again, it relates back to repetition, repetition, repetition with learning. You have to teach the kids. You have to teach them what to look for. You have to talk to them about it. You know, and we're off that topic right now, but I just wanted to tell you, parents, teachers, coaches, mentors, you got to just keep pounding it in their heads that, listen, it is you, you are the person, you have to understand, you know, what's right and wrong, and if there's anything that bothers you that that you think needs to be talked about, you talk about it. Mm-hmm. Getting back to this topic, well, I've been teaching for 42 years, I'm, be- I'm ready to retire in December, and it's going to be a very sad moment. One of the things that I did is I started a curriculum 31 years ago in the school where I currently teach. And I started a curriculum with with units, soccer, basketball. But between each unit, for one whole week, I allow free play. I allow the kids to go out and just have fun. Because when you're trying to adapt, when you're trying to connect with a kid, and in order to teach a kid, once again, we've talked about this in the past, you have to be respected. Kids are not going to learn from teachers that they don't respect and trust. And if you don't have that connection... So the best way to figure out what a kid is really like is to watch them in free play. Watch them where, how they react with their peers. How, watch them how they react to controversy. Watch how they react to being successful and, 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 and winning or, or, or doing well at something. So every, every, between every single unit, we just had a whole week of free play this, this week. Monday, tomorrow, we start our first unit. At the end of that unit, we'll have another whole week of free play. And what it does is it gives the kids the, the chance to relax and just have fun. And when you're doing that, you get to really understand what they're, what they're all about. Kids today, once again, and then, I'm gonna, then I'll listen to you, Rick, your, your response. But kids today, like you said, when they're in that private lesson, which I do, I'm a, I'm a private hitting coach for softball and baseball, they better be there for them. And they better not be there for the parent because that's work. That's studying. That's, that's learning and, and producing. And, and you're doing that for a reason. Before we get off, I have one kid that really is, is, is going to be a phenom. The kid is a, is a ball player. The dad started him when he was five years old. I, didn't even, I hesitated to take him, but the kid was really into it. And I asked this kid one day, I said, listen, I said, do you go home and have fun and go out and play? He says, well, I do one day a week, you know, and that bothered me. It really bothered me. And the kid and the father is the greatest person in the world. His, his interests are only in the kid. But the one thing that I really, 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 you know, are dreading is the day that that kid burns out. Yeah. And, and it will happen. It will happen. So, Jack, you know, uh, as always, uh, thank you for, for your insights. Uh, that, that, of course, is our friend Jack Smithlin who's going to, obviously, as you heard, he's spent over 40 years coaching kids. And the fact that he gives his, his kids, you know, a session, uh, you know, to, to have free play. And he says you can just tell a lot by watching kids having 
you know, no expectations. That's what's missing, I believe. And I wish more more teachers, more coaches allowed that with kids, particularly at younger ages, because that to me is critically important. And to Jack's point about kids who, who, who get so focused and so feel like they're living up to or playing basically uh, either consciously or subconsciously to, to please mom and dad, when the kids get to a point where they no longer are able to compete or they've reached the top of their level of potential and they have to walk away, that too concerns me uh, because all of a sudden it's like they're ending into a new phase of their life and they really haven't focused on other things. This is why so many years I've talked about Grant Hill, who was told by his parents early on, Grant Hill, of course, the great NBA you know, Hall of Famer, that the fact is that you know he, he was told you got to pack two parachutes. And I still believe that's really, really vital advice for, for kids today that, sure, go out and play sport, the sport you want to play, and have fun with it and, and get, as, get as good as you can. But make sure you have a secondary passion that you enjoy as well. So if, if something happens uh, or, or your athletic career comes to an end or cuts short, you just you know, well, okay, now I'm going to do something else that I've always really found very cool and exciting. I mean, again, all these – when I think of passion, I think of, the, of play – these are things I would love to do just because it's fun to do. It's like, to my way of think, when I was playing, you know, baseball as a kid, and I got to the point where I got to get the, a professional contract and I was getting paid, it was like, are you kidding me? I mean, this is what I, I, I would love playing baseball just because it's fun to do. And now they're going to pay me to do it too? It was like, I couldn't believe it. But again, it was the passion that propelled me to want to keep playing the sport and get better and better at it. All right, let me, let me take a timeout. When I come back after the break, we'll continue with the phone calls. Stay with me. Radio.com. Radio.com. Hey, uh, don't forget, of course, at uh, 9 o'clock this morning, it is Football Sunday with Mark Malusis and Dave Deal. They follow me at 9 o'clock this morning. And a couple of quick announcements. Uh, first of all, the fourth annual Nassau County High School Athletics Hall of Fame dinner be held on Wednesday, September 26th at the Crest Howell Country Club out in Woodbury, Long Island. Uh, this year's class will have uh, 29 inductees, including uh, Larry Brown, the only basketball coach to win both an NBA title and an NCAA championship. Uh, Vinny Testaverde, the former Heisman Trophy winner, and I'm proud to say uh, my dad's going to be inducted as well. Uh, for more information about the dinner, you go to NassauBoses.org uh, regarding tickets and more details. Again, that date is Wednesday, September 26th, the Nassau County High School Athletics Hall of Fame. You go to NassauBoses.org for more info. And then uh, on Wednesday, October 24th, uh, over at uh, the Montclair State University School of Communications and Media, I'm going to be hosting a panel discussion on the impact of social media on youth and amateur sports and what all parents, coaches, athletes, athletic directors, everybody needs to know. And we've assembled an all-star cast of experts in this area from the world of sports, uh, the law, current college coaches, high school athletic directors. This is going to be a big event, and it's, uh, it, it's something very, very pressing these days, as we all know, as kids try to find their way and grapple with social media. The admission is free thanks to Investors Bank, Montclair State, and the New Jersey State Interscholastic Athletic Association. I'll have more details for you in the weeks to come, but for right now, just save the date, Wednesday, October 24th, 7 p.m. at Montclair State. 
Uh, and very quickly, there was an announcement this past week from the Aspen Institute about uh, kids under the age of 14 shouldn't play tackle football. And, you know, I we've covered this topic endlessly in this show. We've concluded several years ago, I remember Dr. Robert Cantu, the neurosurgeon from Boston University, saying several years ago that, no, kids under 14 should not play tackle football. His reasons were with the fact that, that the, the, the neck muscles aren't strong enough until the kids in high school to support the brain and to make sure concussions are, are minimized. So I'm just, it's kind of sort of like old news with Aspen Institute to come to this conclusion. I'm just glad that they've, they've, uh, they've jumped on the bandwagon of everybody else. But, uh, you know, I do think that's good advice. If a kid wants to play football, they can learn all the basics and fundamentals, but they can do that, you know, playing, you know, flag football or touch football until they get to be 14 and can be well instructed at the, uh, at the high school level. Okay, right now we're talking about fun in sports and whether or not fun still exists or we somehow lost our way with our kids and our kids playing more for expectations that we put on them or they're actually enjoying what they're doing. one 337 6666 Let's go up to Connecticut. Vic's been waiting patiently. Vic, good morning. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. Thanks for taking the call. And as always, your topics are so germane, and I wish – this program we're on at other times, so more people would be exposed to it. Um, I have a background in health education. I was the head of health education for a large inner-city public school system. I'm now retired. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's so easy to tell parents what you're, what you're saying, and it's so important. But they need resources, okay? And um, let me just suggest I have no, no ties to Amazon, but, you know, every, everybody can go to Amazon very easily. And I just punched in. I pulled off the, the road while I was driving. All they have to do is type in good touch, bad touch. Okay? Mm-hmm. The good touch, good touch, bad touch was a program that was started. That, that little acronym was started years ago. And we used it uh, with very young elementary, primary school children in illustrating what is appropriate and what isn't. And it's difficult for a lot of parents to broach a subject, as you alluded to, mm-hmm. uh, and they need guidelines. They need some understanding of how, how can you approach it at different age levels. And if they just punch in good touch, bad touch for kids, and you'll see you, you have a, a myriad number of resources that you could choose from and decide which one works best. And in a lot of the cases, there are previews of which works. We even did puppet shows, Rick, mm-hmm. for kids to let them understand what is appropriate and what isn't. And what parents have to understand is it's often the, the people that are closest to the kids, whether it be coaches, uncles, aunts, relatives, you know, you don't want to scare the kids, God forbid, but you want to make them aware that it's not the stranger that you have to worry about as much as sometimes the closest person. And then I wanted to jump real quickly to your second topic, and I'll give you this anecdote, and I'll get off and listen to you. We were growing up in New York City area back in the 50s, and my buddies and I were playing, obviously, stickball on the street, right? Mm -hmm. And we found out that there was a Little League team that had started in the area, and they were looking for kids. So a bunch of us decided, well, let's go down. We'll get uniforms. It'll be really cool, right? So we go to our first Little League practice, and then the first game, the first game I played in a Little League, this is my experience, I hit a line drive over the first baseman's head. The ball was right on the chalk, right? So I, I ran it first, and now the umpire called me out. 
said, I mean, he said it was a foul ball. The, the, the coaches started arguing with, um, to make a long story short, 15 minutes later they were still arguing and parents were involved. Back then there weren't as many vociferous parents. You know what my buddies and I did? We said, choose, evens odds, you know, flip a coin. No, that doesn't work with adults, right? So what did we do? We took off our uniforms and went at home and played stickball. <laughs> Vic, that's a great story, and I, I'm absolutely sure, certain that it took place. Uh, and, and thank you for uh, that, that, that the suggestion about good touch, bad touch, because clearly this is a topic that too many parents, you know, they sort of say, well, you know, I'll get around to it, or, you know, uh, I'll let the schools teach my kids. No, this is something you have to do as a parent. It's not easy, but it has to be done. Simple as that. Vic, thank you for the call. Welcome. Take care. And, and you know, again, this is an issue uh, – if you're if being responsible, somebody has to be the grown-up here. And all the words that Vic just said about, uh, you know, making sure your kids are prepared. You don't want to scare them. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely go out and uh, I would suggest you go uh, to Amazon and check out Good Touch, Bad Touch and or, you know, the puppet shows. I mean, there's a lot of information online, and I would urge you to do that if you have a youngster who's going to be playing competitive sports. Let's continue. Let's go, let's go to our friend Ed over to Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Ed, you there? Oh, we may have lost Ed. Okay, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's go to uh, Tom over in Brick. Tom, you've been waiting a long time. Good morning. You're on the fan. Boy, that guy's story was the greatest story I've heard in a long time. Well, Tom, it is a good story oh. because that's how it is. I mean, kids no, growing up, you know. He's talking to the choir. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, you know, I'm a baseball fanatic. And number one, your first topic was uh, about the safety of the children with background checks. Yes. I'm amazed how parents can't wait to put their, their kid's name on the back of a sports jersey. It's like you're advertising for trouble. Kids seven, eight, nine, ten, nine years old. Nobody should know their name. It's a kid playing a game, and it just makes it more scary to me, anyway. Well, Tom, you go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're, I mean, I the kids today, as you know, the 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 way it is, kids today. And this gets all back, and I don't want to go in this direction this morning, but the whole debate about everybody gets a trophy. Well, a kid signs up for a team when they're six or seven years old. They get a shiny new uniform. They get their name on the back of the uniform. They get the trophy. You know, I, that's that's the world we live in these days, for better or for worse. All right. But now so the second thing is sports. Having fun in, uh, fun in sports is very, very important. Baseball. Eleven years ago, the organization I've been involved with, we went to Cal Ripken Bay Group Baseball. It got boring to watch dominant 12-year-old pitches strike out 10, 12 kids a game. The game isn't a game until the ball is put in play. Well, that's... Tom, let me stop you there, uh, because I you know, the fact is, that's correct. And that's why we see so many uh, critics today of the big league game, that it's a game just of home runs and strikeouts and of dominant pitching. And, how, I, I don't, again, it's not really the purview of the show, but as a lifelong baseball fan myself, something has to change. And I don't know if, if it's just because 
Everybody goes up there and takes big three uh, mighty swings, tries to hit the home run. And if they don't, so what? An out's an out. But it's something is wrong with Major League Baseball as to how it's being uh, promulgated and, and pushed on the kids. That's not the baseball I learned growing up. And I think for most fans, they would love to see, you know, hit runs. They would love to see people who can bunt. They would love to see batters put the ball and play with two strikes. I mean, that's how baseball, I believe, should be played. I mean, I, I just um, – it's a real concern – and I think people need to be aware that there are different ways. And I realize that baseball goes in various cycles. Uh, you know, some years there are great hitters, some years there are great pitching. But the game itself is changing, and I'm not sure it's changing in the right direction. Let me go quickly to Irv in Oceanside. Irv, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, good morning to you, Rick. Uh, big fan of uh, you and your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. I want to piggyback on this theme of the uh, – the value of uh, free play, uh, I totally agree with you. And, and it goes beyond just um, having freedom and fun. Uh, like um, caller, a couple of callers ago, I, I grew up in Brooklyn. I lived in the schoolyards playing ball. Um, you know, we were poor. We didn't know it. We, uh, we had more fun than I think any... Uh, uh, kids have today, um, you know, including my own kids who were in organized sports, um, soccer leagues, etc. The value of the free play, the value of the schoolyard, uh, was kind of um, uh, a sociological thing, a societal thing. You learned how to get along um, with teammates. You learned. Uh, about integrity, fair play, ethics. You know, Irv, I, I, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, and unfortunately I'm up against a break here, but I agree with you that, that that's, th- those are the intangibles we learned by ourselves. It wasn't that we had to learn these things from, uh, from parents or, or you know, outside coaches. Irv, thank you for the, for the call. It has to do with the fact that we learned these things on our own. We learned sportsmanship. We learned about fair play. We learned about you know, things that uh, we mastered skills on our own, and that made us feel good and made us feel one we want to keep continuing to play sports. All right, let me, let me take a quick pause. I have some more comments. Stay with me. Well, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. I, uh, I only wish I had more time to take all the calls this morning on these uh, two very, very important topics. In any event, uh, please stick around uh, for Melusis and Deal. They're up next. My thanks this morning to Pete Kennedy. I'll see you next Sunday morning right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.